You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Good evening, sir. Wow, the playhouse must be super packed tonight, Maurice. They're lining up outdoors and there's just a few moments left. Well, to quote the bard, summer's lease hath all too short a date. Yes, we find ourselves here at the end of another successful Sonic Summerstock season all too quickly. Oh, and all too quickly comes the warning to get to our seats. Oh, wow. Wow, the theatre is packed to the rafters tonight. It looks like they've opened the upper balcony and filled the seating. Hello, up in the gods! But uh, we'll find our regular seat, shall we? Yep, yep, there we go. Uh. So, tonight's double feature brings us one final presentation of the Narada Radio Company and Pete Lutz with a revisit to the Arch Obler play Rocket to Manhattan. And to bring to a conclusion the night's performances, the X-1 episode... The stars are sticks from Jeffrey Billard and the Amigo Collective. So many great science fiction, mystery and horror shows this season. I wonder if... uh, Well, ruminating will have to wait. Here comes the first feature, Rocket to Manhattan. Arch Obler's Plays. The Mutual Broadcasting System and the Narada Radio Company have the pleasure of presenting the 23rd broadcast of a special series of plays by radio playwright Arch Obler. In this series, we hope to bring you dramas full of the excitement and the meaning of plays told in relation to the expanding world in which we live. This is Ellie Maitland speaking. Tonight's play, Rocket from Manhattan, will be introduced by Alicia Strand Mueller. Prophecy is an easy thing, for rarely is the prophet brought to judgment. Tonight, we bring you a false prophecy. The place of our story is a great rocket speeding away from the moon. Yes, away! For the first trip to the moon has finally taken place, and the triumphant airship is now rapidly returning to the Mother Earth. Here, then, is a story about a tomorrow 55 years hence. September 20th and the year of our Lord. 2000. On board a rocket ship, a play that is, we sincerely hope, a very false prophecy. Doctor, don't you think it's about time we had a little celebration? There's a great deal of work to be done. Work's over, Doctor. 24 hours more, and we're back! Yes, Doctor, we'll be back. We've done it, completed it. In 24 hours? If you're worried about our landing, I'm not. You worried, Reynolds? No, ma'am. Everything's in perfect order. Sure, Doc, this is going to be a round trip. Anyway, there's 24 hours before we have to worry about that. Yes, Doctor, it's time for a celebration. Oh, I'm glad to be alive, Life, girls. I'm, I'm glad, glad to be, to be alive. alive. I'm, I'm riding on a rocket train, train and, and I will soon arrive. I will arrive. <laughs> Reynolds! Lieutenant Reynolds, are you both out of your minds? You, Major Russell, Reynolds is still a youngster, 
But you are a mature woman. Please, act maturely. Oh, but doctor... I'll grant you that our adventure has gone well. Well is right. We've been to the moon. My congratulations, Reynolds. Thank you, Major. Thank you. Pin the medal on my other chest. Would you two please listen to me? We're 48,000 miles from the Earth. And headed right for it. We're not there yet. Doc, pardon the expression, but you're a gloomy Jane. I am a realist. But, Doctor, the possibilities of anything going wrong are remote. Surely we're entitled to relax a little and relish in what we've done. We've done it, Doc. Even if we never get back, we've done it. We've been to the moon, and it'll always be there on the books. I'm not interested in becoming a historical fact, Major Russell. The data we've collected, that's my only interest. May I ask you and Reynolds to get back to your posts? Oh, but everything's going like clockwork. Look at the gauges. But we are out of radio contact with the Earth. Yes, ma'am, but we are on course. Doc, what's wrong? Wrong? What should be wrong? I... No, the kid's right, Doc. Ever since we made the circle and started back, you've been acting as if we didn't make it. We've got 243,000 miles, and we're three-quarters of the way back. And we're in, Doc. We're in. So what's the matter with you? How old were you, Major, when the Second World War ended? Oh, about five? What's that got to do with it? And you, Reynolds, you weren't even born. No, ma'am. I was 21 on that day in New Mexico when they set off that first chain reaction. 21. Doc, you, you mean to say you were at the beginning of it? Of course she was. Dr. Chamberlain was one of the original research people on the atomic bomb project. Back in 45. The only one of them alive today. Well, what do you know? So that's why you wanted to make this trip, Doc. I mean, you... Yes, Major. Uh, you wanted it as a substitution for what you missed as a girl. The excitement and glory of war. Oh, now, Doc... It's true. And Reynolds here is young and idealistic. The scientific wonder of it is what she wanted. And I... I was there at the birth of an era... Now, atomic power is driving me into space and back to the Earth, where it all began. And I'm thinking... Yeah, Doc? Well, it, it's not pertinent to any of this. We have no time to discuss our emotions. There's work to be done. Airspeed, 23, 4, 86. Airspeed 23486. Interior temperature uh, 68.2. Interior temperature 68.2. Well, that's it. Yes. Any radio contact, Reynolds? No, ma'am. How about that, Doc? Huh? Unfortunate, but not very vital. We're definitely on course. How much longer will it be, Doc? Ten hours. At the most, ten hours. In the middle of LaGuardia Field. That's where I'd like to land. I hope not. Texas, isn't that it? Sure, sure. We'll hit the flats right on the nose. If the auxiliary jets work... They worked on the moon. They'll work on the landing. We're the good luck girls, Doc. We can't miss. You have the optimism of a 16-year-old. Reynolds, you'd better get back to your radio. Try phone contact. Yes, ma'am. Major, check the jet temperatures. Uh... Right jet, 1580. Right jet, 1580. Left jet, 1583. Left jet, 1583. Speed, 24832. Speed, 24832. XR1 calling CQ. XR1 calling CQ. Hello? 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 XR1 calling CQ. XR1 calling CQ. Hello? 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 Any luck? No, ma'am. Put your transmitter back on automatic. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Why do you laugh, Major? I was just thinking about how many millions of telescopes are turned in our direction. Yes. What you said a few hours ago. 
I mean, about my wanting excitement and adventure, that's true, you know. I'm 60 years old, and I guess I've just lived for this chance. The Army hadn't okayed my going, but, well, here I am. And once we land, I'll admit frankly, I'm going to cash in on every bit of it and have myself a time. You know something? I get to feeling kind of depressed when I think it'll soon be over. Well, there's no reason for depression, is there? I couldn't answer that. Oh, why not? <clears throat> You've been wondering, undoubtedly, why, since we left the moon, I've been acting strangely. That's right. I've never believed in predestination, and yet there's been sort of a motivation of fate in my life. At 21, I was part of that research team trying to adapt atomic power to military purposes. When our first bomb went off over the New Mexico desert, a newspaper man repeated the words, What hath God wrought? And no one quite knew it. I've been waiting 55 years for the answer. I think I found it a few hours ago on the moon. And it's an answer full of horror. Well, the Major's sure sleeping. Yes. It's only a few more hours, isn't it? Yes. Will we have to put on our compression suits the way we did on the takeoff? Yes, of course. Doctor, may... May I ask you something? Yes. Before, you spoke of finding an answer on the moon, and... And then you didn't say any more. Well, I've been thinking about it. I was wondering if it was something the Major couldn't understand, and that's why you didn't speak of it further. And now you want to know. Yes, ma'am. I haven't lived anywhere as long as you two have, but my life has been built around atomic power. My mother, she was one of your team. Why, ever since I was a child, becoming a physicist like Mom was and you are, Dr. Oppenheimer and all the rest, why, that was it. But now, all of a sudden, the way you spoke before, as if all our research has been criminal, do, do you mean that? Do you? Collision radar! Get at it! What's the matter? Object approaching. Fifteen degrees west. There it is! Meteorite! It's a meteorite! That was the closest! It was indeed. It'd be sardonic indeed to collide with a meteorite in this point in our journey. I... I'd use a stronger word than sardonic, Doctor. Yeah, like fatal. It's all clear. Well, I'd better get back to my... No, Reynolds... Reynolds, you asked me a question before, and I want to answer it. You too, Major Russell. I want you to hear this. Sure. Reynolds overheard what I said to you, that I'd found the answer to a very old question on the moon. She said that she felt somehow that I felt all the research on atomic power had been criminal. No, young lady, I don't believe that. Not at all. Criminal to know more about a way of nature? No. The answer I found was something else. I haven't even an answer, perhaps only a theory. When we came within a hundred miles of the moon and then began to decelerate, to turn back, what did we see through the observation ports? Well, Doc... No, please... Let me tell you what I saw. The craters of the moon. Great, gigantic craters. And as we came closer and closer, the look of them was so familiar. Not because I'd seen them through telescopes and photographs, but for some reason that I couldn't quite understand. Craters of the moon... And suddenly, when we'd come as close as we dare and our ship swung in an orbit to return, suddenly I knew. It was a memory of another crater I'd seen 55 years before in New Mexico from an observation plane high above the ground. 
a few hours after the first atomic bomb had lit the sky with a new sun. Yes, the crater in the crust of the earth that bomb had left was the same as the craters of the moon. You understand? The crater our bomb had left on the earth was the same as the craters on the moon. So what? I I don't get it. Yes, Doctor, what are you getting at? Uh, the crater in that desert was a thousandth of the size of the ones you're talking about. I suddenly began to think, was it not possible that the moon had gone through the same evolutionary processes as our Earth before our Earth? Yes, wasn't it possible that men had come into being on the moon, developed their own civilization, had known scientific progress as we have, but long before we Earthmen had known it. Say, Doc... You do understand. These men of the moon had discovered the secret of atomic power long before we did, and then had used it to blast and to tear each other. Yes, and the craters on the moon, that terrible devastation was the record of the destruction of their civilization. A final war which had burned up the atmosphere and left the moon a dead planet circling endlessly in an airless sky. All right, Doctor. Presuming your theory is correct, that the moon men had started through a war, a chain atomic reaction that they couldn't stop, well, it indicates that they were fools. Yeah, that's it. Fools. Are we any wiser? Airspeed 2482. You'd better cut it down. Right. Uh, how much? About 15%. Right. You got anything, Reynolds? No, ma'am. Would you come here a moment? Yes, ma'am. Will you help me with this port covering? Yes, ma'am. Going to take a look, huh? Yes, that's it. There she is. Mama Earth. Reynolds, the cameras. Yes, ma'am. Uh, how much should I run, Doctor? Put it on automatic exposure. Yes, ma'am. Six more hours, eh, Doc? Or less. Sure we haven't made a mistake and headed for Venus? (laughs) Just a bad joke, Doc. No, there's no two ways about it. The outline of the continents. We can't make any mistake about that being our home address. I wonder how much they can see of us. What are we, six... 7,000 miles out? You know, this reminds me of a time about 25 years ago. The Army sent me up to 1,000 miles to take observation photographs. Well, you remember how the atomic reaction motors were then. We got up to 500 feet. Major, look down. What? Look. What? Look, I, I, I tell you. Reynolds, come here. What's the matter? Is something wrong? Well, the doctor says there's something... Reynolds, I, I, look. Do you see? Yes. What is it? I see it too. Bright lights going on and off. What's going on down there? Doctor, are they signaling us? Are they signaling? At 6,000 miles? Why? Why should they? That's right. There's no such plan. Look at it. It is lights going on and off. But they're all from one area. Can you make out where? North America. Then they are signals. The candle in the window. Your own question. At 6,000 miles? Wait a minute. Are they explosions? Explosions? Major Doctor, is that it? Are they explosions? I don't know. CQ? CQ, hello? Hello, hello? I'm sorry, Doctor, I can't raise anything. Doc, Doc, come here. Yes? Doc, look. The closer we get, they are explosions. Three more hours, we'll know. I want to know now. Reynolds, what's the matter with you? Why can't you make radio contact? I'm doing everything I can. Major, look. Craters. Look, craters. Craters? At this altitude, you couldn't possibly... each flash, I do see them. Uh, Okay, okay. What does it mean? What are you looking at me like that for? What does it mean? Doctor, 
Major, something's coming through. It's about time. I... I can only hear it faintly. What? What? Please, let me listen. United States bombed. Reynolds, what is it? Tell us. Well, I couldn't quite make it out. Well, she said... Said what? Tell us. War. She said war. Blasting the United States off the face of the earth. Blasting. It's a joke, isn't it? Isn't it? What are they sending now? What now? It began an hour ago. No warning. Projectiles. Radio control. Point of origin unknown. Oh, it stopped again. The transmission... That's enough. Where's the international police force? What's being done about it? Doctor? Doctor, did you hear? It was an attack without warning. Who could it be? What's the idea? The explosions are increasing in frequency. Reynolds! Reynolds, is there anything more coming through? No, nothing. Yes, yes, they've started transmission again. All right, let's have it. Quick. Some station in the Midwest. I can't get the call letters. Who cares? She says, it's hell. Ground shaking. No bombs landed near, but air reconnaissance. Oh, it's so garbled, I can hardly make it out. Well? Well? It started an hour ago. Everything burning. Oh, it stopped again. There's nothing. Doctor. Doctor. In heaven's name, what do you think it's all about? Stop staring out the window and talk to me. What are they doing? What do you mean, what are they doing? They're bombing us, blasting us. It's war. But who? We've got to find out. Reynolds, find out who. Well, it's no use. There's no transmission. Doctor, those bombs, where are they coming from? Can't you tell by the trajectory? At this distance? And what difference does the face of the enemy make? It's happening, that's all. Smashed them. I always said we should have smashed them. Exterminated them 50 years ago. Well, they were so peaceful for so many years. It. The flashes are increasing in frequency. Reynolds, get on that radio. I'll try again. I've got to know who. Who the devil... We had agreements with everyone. The international... Devils! All of them. I, I call them devils. I, I don't even know who they are. Reynolds, get anything? No. No, I don't. Doctor, faster. Let's, let's get down there faster. Let's open it well, up. Well, you know better than that. We're entering atmosphere. We increase speed and we'll burn up like a meteorite. But I'm a soldier. All my life I've been trained to... It's coming through, ma'am. What? What? The bombs. Nothing can... Oh, I can hardly make it out. Keep at it. Panic. Paratroopers. Who? Who? Last message from United States of... It's ended. There is no more. If we'd only get down there faster! Only 500 more miles. Look at it down there. Our Air Force, protective measures. What happened to them? What happened? Doctor, you... Why don't you say something? You just sit there for hours watching... This isn't a scientific experiment going on down there. They're blasting us to pieces. Us. Us. Our atomic bomb, the great secret. Hold it over the world and have peace forever. You said that. You. I was a kid then. I heard you say it on the radio when they gave you a medal. Hold it over the world and have peace forever. Well, what do you got to say now? We had a wonderful 55 years. What? Everybody had a wonderful time. Reynolds, what's the matter with her? She's gone... No, no. Let her finish. First, we hung the criminals. 55 years ago. And as soon as their bodies stopped swinging, we left the crowd and each went back to her own house and shut the door. You said the peace would hold forever. 
I... I said it because... I thought that when the secret was put away, the people of the world would remember the terror. I said to myself, now, certainly, now that they've seen the possibility of the disintegration of their earth, they'll be drawn together once again into the the family of men as it must have been in the beginning. I... I forgot what years could do. I forgot how quickly forgetfulness comes. I forgot that in only a few years, Hiroshima and Nagasaki would be only yesterday's sensations for a nation eager for sensations for today. You keep asking me, who's sending those bombs against us? Who? I tell you, we're sending them against ourselves. Because had we made our way of life something more than a confused dream of shiny machines and happy endings, those bombs would not be flying at us. I said the peace would hold forever because I thought out of that war, at last man had learned that there was no defense against hatred and revenge, but the defense of education for the unity of people. It was a race, ladies, against time. And we wasted our last 55 years running on a track of chromium and plastics. And so we've lost forever. We've never lost. Look, the blasts are increasing and... Doctor, look. The color of the blasts. Oh, dear God. What? What? Doctor, it's nitrogen, isn't it? Nitrogen? What? The fools, the everlasting fools. I warned them. The blasts. More and more. They started something they couldn't end. The color of the blast. They've set off hydrogen atoms. I... I don't know what... We used uranium. Plutonium. And when the initial blast was over, that was all. But hydrogen. That's part of life. One reaction sets off another, like setting off an endless chain until... Look down there. The blasts. Faster and faster. They're spreading. The fools. God help the fools. A shade of flame around the earth. Doctor, tell me, what is it? It's burned up all the atmosphere. Burned up? Reynolds, what does she mean? The chain reaction burned up all the air major major the left jet it's all right it's all right all right where are we going there's no air no life the moon the earth the same how much fuel there's the gauge two three hours yes yes i think that's right isn't it major yes What... what do we do? You ask that question now. The Major no longer asks it. Do you know the answer, Major? Sure. We'll circle around. And we'll crash. (gasps) No, it'll be all right, my child. My words again. We'll have peace. Forever. The play is ended. Just a play. Something out of the playwright's imagination, written nearly three quarters of a century ago. Part of what he imagined then has come to pass. I'm sure you pray with me that the rest of it is a very false prophecy. The original cast was typical for its day, all male. Our producer felt that this remake would work just as well, if not better, with an all-female cast. We hope you'll let us know whether or not you agree. Our players were as follows. Victoria Fonsky as Lieutenant Reynolds, Jerry Eliff as Major Russell, 
and Lori Bryant as Dr. Chamberlain. Your announcer was Alicia Strand-Muller. Our program was written by Arch Obler and originally broadcast in 1945. The script was modified slightly by our producer-director, Pete Lutz, and created especially for the 2018 Sonic Summerstock Playhouse series. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the other offerings in this Sonic Summerstock season. This is Pete Lutz. This presentation is lovingly dedicated to the memory of Bill Holweg and to those who are working hard to keep his memory alive, the Amigos. Countdown for Blastoff. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand would-be worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents... X... Minus... One. Tonight, The Stars Are the Sticks by Theodore Sturgeon. They call me Karen. Now, that isn't my real name, but it suits my job. Karen, you may remember, ferried dead souls across the river Styx of Greek mythology. I ferried dead souls from the planet Earth out into the unknown of space. My little satellite station is known as Curbstone. I've been here for twenty years. Yes? Karen? Oh, tween, uh, what is it? There's a ship landing from Earth. Is it the regular shuttle? Yes. Okay, we'll check the candidates as soon as they're in. I'll fill out the reports for you. Thank you. Oh, a twin. Yes? Close the door a minute, will you? I want to talk to you. Uh, yes? How long have you been here on Curbstone? Oh, I don't know. I think two years? Approximately. And you've been helping me here in the office for almost a year and a half. Have you thought about going back to Earth? Well, yes, I've thought about it. And? Well, I couldn't. I'd rather die. I just don't seem to belong there. You'd rather stay here and wait? Yes. Even though you may never become certified for space? One day it'll happen. Perhaps. I almost hope it won't. Oh, don't say that. Well, the shuttle should be coming in soon. Maybe this trip there'll be somebody aboard for you. I have a feeling there will be. I suppose I ought to explain a little about Curbstone at this point. We're a stopping point. Well, a, a jumping-off place would be more accurate. We get people from Earth who, for many reasons, cannot remain there. Some are antisocial, criminals of a sort. Some are misfits, individualists who cannot adjust to the rigid standardization. Some are just different. People who are physically different and who have been ostracized as a result. And a few are poets, those who have souls too big for the confines of Earth. They come to Curbstone and wait to be certified for space, and it's my job to send them out. They're waiting. How many this trip? Two men and a woman. One of the men... Yes? Nothing. Oh, I've known you too well to be fooled. Why, you're practically glowing. <laughs> Did you speak to him? No. But you think perhaps he'll be the one to choose you? I think perhaps. The way he looked at me. <laughs> How? He didn't think there was anything funny about me. He just looked. There is nothing funny about you. You're just trying to be kind. 
Oh, you should know me better. <laughs> I'm the original Billy Goat Gruff. Oh, I know you better. You have a kind heart. Oh, enough of that. Ask him to come in, one at a time. I watched her walk to the door, and I thought she was beautiful. She was, but not in a way acceptable to the eugenics department back on Earth. Tween was an albino. She had silver skin and hair and ruby-colored eyes. If I hadn't been such an old fat fool. This way, please. Thank you. This is the senior release officer. He'll check you in. Thank you, miss. Your name, please? Well, don't you know it? No, I'm afraid I... I, I Judd? <laughs> Good Lord. Hello, friend. Judson, <laughs> after all these years... I understand they call you Karen. Yes. Good. I'll call you Karen. What in the name of misery brings you to Curbstone? Oh, I'm a candidate. But you, of all people, <laughs> you had a good position and enough money. You didn't get into trouble, did you? Of a sort. Of what sort? When I was your student at the university many years ago, you taught me to enjoy my individuality. Yeah? Well, I tried to teach my students the same thing. The authorities wouldn't stand for it. I see. So I decided to take my chances in space. Are you aware of the risk? Well, not fully, or I probably wouldn't be here. Well, then... Let me acquaint you with the procedure here on Curbstone. Look out that window. What do you see? Well, looks like a spaceship on a launching platform. Exactly. That ship is aimed at the outer galaxies. It has enough fuel to reach its destination and land, but not enough to come back. I see. People who come here to Curbstone have to be certified before they can take off in one of those ships. Well, how does one go about being certified? There are three requirements. You must pass a physical examination and a mental examination. Uh-huh. And the third? You must find an agreeable partner for the trip. A partner? A partner of the opposite sex who is willing to share her life uh, or death with you from now until eternity. That could be rather difficult. When the Earth authorities agreed to Operation Curbstone, it was decided that it would be a method of colonizing the outer galaxies with Earth people. Therefore... These ships are built to carry two people. I see. Well, suppose I choose somebody and she doesn't want me. You'll wait. Suppose... Just suppose I pass the physical and mental test and I even get a partner. Suppose we get into the ship and are launched into space. What are our chances? Come here. This board shows a light for each ship that is en route in space. Uh, there, you see that one? That's a couple named Fort and Mary Ellen. Now, they went out together last week heading for the Denob system. As long as the light shows, they're all right. They haven't been destroyed by radiation or piled up on some asteroid or gotten into a time warp. We know from our years of launching couples here on Curbstone that 46% of them never make it. And of those that make it? We don't know. They have the equipment for survival, of course. But who knows what they'll meet up with on some strange planet. And still they go out, huh? Still they go out. When do I take the examinations? I was happy to see Judson. My memories of our association were pleasant ones. As he left, the other two passengers came in. The man was young, dark-haired, and slick-looking. His name was Wald. The woman, well, uh, she takes some describing... Her name was Flower, and her voice was like a cello. Her figure was a walking demand for the revival of the now-extinct profession of Peeping Tom. Well, let me be honest, I didn't like either of them. That takes care of your documents. How long will it take us to be certified? That depends. If you pass your test, it can happen in a week. And suppose we don't pass our tests. You might be here a year, two years. There's no limit. <sighs> You can keep taking the test, or you can return to Earth. Earth, uh, well, um, is there anything to do up here? I mean, excitement? That depends on what you consider excitement. Anything we haven't already tried. Isn't that right, Wald? We decided to come up, Mr., um... Call me Karen. Karen. How quaint. <laughs> anyway, we decided to come up here because we were bored with the routine on Earth. You're aware of the risk involved? You mean we might not make it. <laughs> well, that's life, isn't it? Well, for some... For others, it's death. I don't like that kind of talk. You'll attend an orientation session tomorrow. I'll have my assistant show you to your quarters. Twain? Yes? Uh, come in, Twain. 
I want you to meet Flower. How do you do? And Wall. Well, Curbstone is exciting already. Something different, darling? Oh, shut up. This is Tween. She'll show you where you live. A pleasure. A distinct pleasure. There was something decadent about Wald and Flower. Something almost reptilian. I couldn't believe that these two would ever step into a ship and risk the trip to space. Of course, I could be wrong. Boredom drives people to risk many things. The next day, I watched my three new arrivals. When it was over, I stood talking to Judson. Well, still want to go out? Yes. You got a companion yet? Oh, yes. Really? But you haven't met anybody yet. I've met the person I'd like to go with. Mind if I ask who? Your assistant, Tween. <laughs> you don't disappoint me, Judd. I fell in love with her the first time I met her, too. I haven't even talked to her yet except to say hello and where's the commissary. But there's there's quality about her like I... Well, I... Like a cool breeze on a hot summer's day. Well, you are smitten. At my age, I can afford to be romantic. Excuse me, am I interrupting? Not at all. Judson, uh, you know Flower? Yes, we met on the ship coming to Curbstone. I wondered if you were busy. Who, me? You. Well, not really, no. Good. Then you can take me down to the recreation room for some methyl caffeine. Well, I, I don't use it. That doesn't mean you can't take me. Well, you're Mr. Wald, I, I mean... Oh. oh, Wald and I are just very good friends. Besides, he's busy right now. He's being shown around the satellite by this, uh, gentleman's assistant. Tween? That's her name, the peculiar one. Coming, Judson? I guess so. Will you excuse us? Certainly. When I saw Tween the next day, there were stars in her eyes. Good morning. Good morning. You're laughing. Am I? Your eyes are. I'm happy. Good. <laughs> I think it won't be long now. Before what? <laughs> Before I'm certified. Oh? I've met someone who really likes me. I see. Can you guess? No. Who is it? Well... You know the dark-haired young man who came in yesterday with your friend Judson? Wald? Mm-hmm. We went down to the ship together. And he... Well, he asked a lot of questions about it. And then we started to talk about us. He says he's wasted his whole life flitting from one diversion to another. Really? No, he says he's... Looking for something with some meaning. You like him? He isn't afraid of me. He doesn't see anything wrong with my being... different. I thought he was with Flower. Well, as long as it makes you happy. He kissed me. Do you know that no man has ever kissed me like that before? You uh, enjoyed it? Oh, yes. Did uh, he say anything about going out into space with you? He said he could think of no one he'd rather go with. <laughs> and uh, uh, when is he going to sign the certification? Well, um, he felt we ought to get to know each other a little better. For a while, anyway. He's right, don't you think? Yes, I think it would be better. Karen? Yes? I love you very much. Why did you say that? Because it's true. There's something so kind and understanding about you. Don't let it fool you. Underneath, I'm the same as anybody else. Oh, I don't believe it. They picked you for this job because, well, because you have so much compassion. You could never hate. Could you? I, I don't know. I never have, but now I don't know. Because you're in love. You can't love, really, unless you can hate. I don't believe that. <laughs> I just invented it to sound as if I knew the answer. Come on, I'll buy you a drink to celebrate the big event. I watched her sip the drink. The tones of her skin coming and going with the pulse of her blood. I thought to myself... You're going to be hurt, Tween. You're going to be terribly, terribly hurt. And I wondered if perhaps she didn't know it. Well, Tween, another couple out into space. Maria and Flint. Will you uh, record it and have another ship brought up to the launching... Uh, uh, Tween? 
What? Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of something else. Wald? Sort of. How long has it been now? Three months. Long time, huh? Well, I... He wants to be sure. And you? Are you sure? Oh, yes. Uh, nothing to do but wait, then. I have to go over to the Hull Division. Will you take over? Of course. <sighs> Sometime, I too will be speeding through space. And I'll be a tiny light on this board. Hello there. Mind if I come in? No, not at all. Where's Fatso? Karen? He isn't that fat. He's fat enough. Where is he? He went over to the Hull Division. Hey, this is a nice layout. Did you come to see me or the layout? You know I came to see you. Matter of fact, I wanted to talk to you about something. Well? Well, you know, the party tonight at the rec center. Well, what about it? We're going, aren't we? I can't make it. Is something wrong? I'm meeting somebody else. Oh. Flower. I see. Oh, come on now. Don't look so hurt. Flower and I have bummed around together for years. I thought she and Judson... <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Well, they spend all their time together. Oh, you don't know Flower. She likes to experience new things. And when they get to be old, she tosses them away. All except me. And you? Do you like to experience new things and toss them away? Look, I'm sorry, tween. But it's just the way I am. Like Flower. Like Flower. We're... Two of a kind. Would you do me a favor? Sure, why not? Make it a clean break. Don't try to see me again. Or tell me any more lies. Even though I want to hear them. Okay. And thanks. Thanks? For these three months. Even though they've been make-believe. At least I've had them. Well, I'll... I'll see you around. Yeah. I'll see you around. <laughs> hey. Don't care it. Care it. Just let them flow. <laughs> He doesn't care about me. He never has. I know. <laughs> and he's going back to Flower. I know. I saw him leaving. What do I do? He's the only one who ever wanted me. No, not the only one. Now there are two of us. <laughs> the question that kept going through my mind was, what next? How long was Wald going to hang around Curbstone before he decided to go back to Earth? I couldn't believe he'd have the guts to go out into space. But I had underestimated Flower. Well, well, the prodigal returns. Don't make funny remarks. Tell me, darling, what brings you to my room at this late hour? Could it be that you miss me? Or has little Miss Tween given you the heave? Shut up and give me a drink. <laughs> and don't act so self-righteous. You've been having your fling with this Judson character. My, my. Jealous, too. Oh? I thought you and I agreed a long time ago we'd never make any claims on each other. That was a long time ago. Frankly, I'm getting bored with this satellite. Let's go back to Earth. I'm bored with Earth. Well, we'll go someplace else then. I am going someplace else. Where? Out. Space. <laughs> oh, come on now. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, I am not being ridiculous. Do you know that only 46% arrive? And if you get there, if, heaven only knows what kind of monsters or poison atmospheres get you. I know, but there's a certain thrill in the risking. Oh. And when exactly did you start feeling poetic? Since I started talking to Judson. Listen, Flower, don't try to trick me. I know you too well. You're 100% too selfish to risk your pretty skin for some 
poetic feeling. Wald, listen to me. You and I have been together for years. We're very much alike. Now I'm telling you that I intend to go out. I want you to sign my certification and come with me. You're... You're mad. No, no. I think maybe if we get away from everything out there, we'll find each other. We'll have a chance to love and be decent like ordinary human beings. Oh, Wald, I'm just saying we've been destroying ourselves for years. We're getting older now. Please, please try to see it. A clean start. A new life. Well? This fella Judson has really been filling your ear, hasn't he? He's a kind person. He doesn't think I'm a... Well, worthless. <laughs> oh, God, you kill me, girl. Well, will you come with me? No, no. If you want to wreck yourself, go ahead. And who, pray tell, thinks enough of a cheap character like you to sign her certification? Judson. What? He said he'd go out with me, and I intend to go. I certified Judson and Flower that same evening. They were going to leave at midnight. I was working late. Come in. Well, Flower, I thought you and Judson... We're not going. At least I'm not. Oh? Judson decided he didn't want me along. He did? Here. He left this note for me. <laughs> the story of my life. A nice girl. But who wants to marry anyone like that? Let's see. Uh, I'm going alone. Don't try to stop me. It wouldn't work. I'd always look down on you, Judson. Well, that doesn't sound like him. Sounds like every man I've ever known. Except Wald. Wald doesn't judge me. Except Wald? Uh, where's Judson now? Locked in the ship. He's leaving at midnight. Three minutes. Listen, you wait here. Where are you going? To see if I can stop that ship before it's too late. A man of my size and age shouldn't run, especially when he has a bad valve in his heart. But I covered the distance to the takeoff ramp like a track star. As I hit the edge of the ramp, I heard Tween's voice screaming at me from the control tower. Kurt! Look out! You'll burn! I reached the door just as the rockets were beginning to warm up inside the ship. There wasn't any way to get in, except to blast. There's only one way to stop a ship from taking off once the combustion chambers are operating. You have to get the dampening rods into the chambers and stop the chain reaction. It took a lot of beef... But I've got a lot. I I looked around the control room of the ship. Justin was strapped to the pilot's chair. The controls were preset for automatic takeoff. I went over to him. He was dead. His head cracked like an eggshell. Judd, I know you can't hear me, but I swear to you, I'll get the one who did this. Really? Don't move. I've got a gun on you. Wald, you are a pig. You are a living human pig. Thanks for the compliment. To take the life of a man whose only act against you was that he wanted to help Flower. I can't afford to lose Flower. Don't you think you've lost her already? Not at all. She thinks Judson's going out into space without her. I knew he wasn't capable of writing a note like that. It doesn't matter. Just how do you expect to get away with this? Quite easily. Judson isn't going out alone after all. Meaning? He's going to have a companion. You. It won't work, Wald. Once the ship is headed for the stars, there won't be a shred of evidence. Okay, you've got it all figured out. That's right. Now, turn around. You have the gun, and all I've got is this. <laughs> Drop it! Drop it! <laughs> Batman can move amazingly fast. What are you going to do? Do? Nothing much. I'm just going to certify you, Wald. What? For a flight into space. There are things you can do to a man if you know enough physiology. Pressures on the nerves that can immobilize him for hours. I did them to Wald. Then I set the controls of the ship again and went out. I was breathing hard. It took me a long time to make it up the steps of the control tower where Tween was waiting. Karen, oh, Karen, I, I was so worried. I, th I thought you'd been burned, and when Walls went in, I... I'm okay. Actually, oh. sit down a minute. 
What's happened? Uh, nothing much. I, I had to stop Judson from leaving alone. That's that's all. But why? Well, um, Wald decided to leave with him. What? Uh, that's right. He finally repented. He uh, he knew that if he stayed around, uh, he'd just make you unhappy again. And so he asked me to stop Judson until he could join him. You mean he did? Any second now. There go the engines. Oh, he had a spark of decency in him after all. I knew it. Yes, uh, in a way. He's a uh, sort of hero. The ship is trembling now. <laughs> there they go. Maybe she knew, maybe not. Anyway, she had loved a man, and now she could love another. She came over to me and leaned over and kissed my mouth. Her lips were cool. Then I knew that I could live with the viciousness of what I had done. When you're old and fat as I am, the kiss of a girl can make you human again. They call me Karen. They forget what it feels like to be denied two worlds instead of one. And they forget something else, too. Karen was more than a boat pilot. He was an executioner. Tonight's X-1 program, The Stars Are the Sticks, written by Theodore Sturgeon and adapted for radio by H.L. Gold and Ernest Kinoy, is brought to you by the Amigos Audio Collective. Featured in tonight's cast are Joe Stofko as Karen, Tanya Malevich as Tween, Lothar Tuppen as Wald, Janet Dider as Flower, and Jack Ward as Judson. The X-1 intro was created by Lothar Tuppen. Stars Are the Sticks was directed and mixed by Jeffrey Billard and dedicated to our amigo, Bill Holway. An explosive standing ovation for the conclusion of tonight's performances as well as the 2018 Sonic Summerstock Playhouse season. Once again, it's been my great privilege to be your host this summer. I want to thank all of our contributors, including John Bell, Icebox Radio, CNY Table Reads, the Narada Radio Company for their multiple performances this summer, and of course the Amigo Collective, Lothar Tuppen and Jeffrey Billard, producing two shows as well as closing our evening. Now while this is the end of our summer season, please join me and Jack Ward back next week as we begin a new season of the Sonic Society. Until then, I look forward to seeing you there. I'm David Alt. Thank you and good night. This completes the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse 2018 season. We hope you enjoyed tonight's play and all the performances on our Sonic Playhouse stage. All productions, performances, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their copyright holders and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society podcast and Electric Vicuna Productions. Any shows that continue their run must have explicit permission from all parties involved. The Playhouse theme was written and performed by Sharon B. Return with us next week as Jack and I begin Season 14 of the Sonic Society. For all the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse players, I am David Alt. Good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. You can listen to classical and brand new audio dramas through the Mutual Audio Network.
Subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre, and the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.